Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot, talking to you from our at-home studio, hopefully for the last time for a while. Yes, but lots of new tech to talk about. This is, for your listening pleasure, the November 20th edition of the RV Navigator podcast, episode number 187. Okay. (laughs) And we're starting off really great, aren't we? (laughs) So this month is going to be full of technology and full of uh, our... good. Yes, it is good. We have been having fun with technology, and this month we are actually doing something quite special. It's a good way to pass the time. Because we are recording this in two devices. Because? We're giving something new a try. We're going to be using wireless microphones and recording on the iPad. News flash. This is a iPad update. We were unable to record on the iPad this month. Hmm, I don't know why, but something went wrong, and we'll have to do some testing this month and give you a full report next month. So we recorded this month on the regular system, and it seems to sound okay. But maybe in the future we'll be recording on the iPad. We'll let you know. Is this with or the, the iPhone to maybe taking a suitcase trip sometime in your life? Suitcase trip? What's that? <laughs> I have no idea why I'm doing this. It'll be exciting to try the, this new system. Having wireless lavalier microphones should solve one of the problems that we've had in the past, and that is, is that as we move back and forth between our main microphone, the volume changes dramatically. Whereas if you have a wireless microphone, a lavalier on your chest, it uh, will remain the same volume regardless of your position because we move around while we are making this podcast. We get up papers and we do other things. And so so I'm recording this twice, and I'm hoping to be able to intermix oh. the audio so that... Editing will take you twice as long. We'll, we'll put our re- listeners to the test to see if they can tell the difference between the lavalier and uh, the single microphone that we ordinarily use. This will provide us with a capability to more easily take it on the road. Boy, if I could record on the iPad and, re- and edit on the iPad... Or on the iPhone, GarageBand comes on both. So this would be very cool, although I, as I see, the capabilities of the iPad version are not the same as they are on the desktop machine. So, so it'll have features you'll miss? Probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what they'll be. Uh-huh. But making a podcast is pretty simple, but it's the editing process that... This is the wonderful thing about the pandemic. You have time to do all the things you never got around to doing before. spend money on cool devices like these little microphones. But wireless mics are cool. I mean, that makes... We can we can sit across the room and be COVID safe. Socially distancing from one another. <laughs> oh, as, as I'm locked to... in a tin can with you for another five months. Is that bad? No. Oh, okay. It just is. Well, you know, you talked about having your uh, operation on your shoulder, but you haven't given our listeners an update as to what happened. 
You mean why it happened or no, how I am how, now? How you are now. It's been how long? Uh, 20 weeks? My initial surgery was June 4th. Uh-huh. My recovery, I think I've said this before, has been like watching grass grow, but the grass is still growing. Certainly after four months, things improved to a greater extent. I have discharged myself from physical <laughs> therapy. <laughs> And stood up my surgeon because I don't think I need them anymore. So we're now saving $150 an hour. My therapist has taught me what I need to do. I'm still working on my range of motion and muscle strength, and both of them are improving like grass grows. So I think by January, February, I'm going to try golf and <gasps> and pickleball maybe. Really? Because wow. that's what they said. By then, I should be really fully healed. My biggest complaint at this point, which seems to be pretty common for a rotator cuff people is um, sleeping. Laying horizontally in a bed uh-huh. still becomes uncomfortable. Um, now, luckily, not after two hours, but more like after six or seven hours. So good news, folks. I should be back <laughs> in action. And the um, side effect of this is that I've become far more restless and ready to go do something, but we're still awfully limited on what we can do be yeah. by the COVID. But in fact, it is good that the COVID virus has kept us stationary because it has given you really a chance to heal right there were no temptations so we've put this time to good use i would say it's not been all bad and we haven't wasted the time but we have uh, been around home for a long time and we will be taking off Uh, we decided to take our bubble and head to florida much earlier than expected ordinarily we spend november yeah ordinarily we spend the holidays with our families but we've decided that we don't want to be around little kids and other family members so we've decided to take our bubble and just head to florida and spend the winter there so if you are in the Titusville area, let us know, and we will do a social distancing get-together. And if you have any wonderful ideas for celebrating Thanksgiving <laughs> oh, and Christmas... We haven't with, been alone. And, ...with two people oh, we haven't <laughs> ever, been ever, ever. Well, we used to do Literally, Christmas on ever. cruises. Then we were, yeah, yeah. Well, then, that we, was the then we were with a lot of people. Yeah. So I, I have no vision for what but to do and how a, to do it. I have copious quantities of Christmas stuff, which is very tempting to take with us to Florida and decorate, but then you we're going to have to live with it for the next five months and that just does not make sense so um i think i need some ideas for miniature streamlined holiday celebrating yeah we need and thanksgiving we haven't ever been by ourselves on thanksgiving so this will be a a really an unusual situation well unless we've been traveling last year i think we were traveling Right. We, were we were in the Middle East, yeah. Right. So it's going to be a very different year thanks to COVID. We kind of were hoping that it would be over, uh, but it hasn't been, and we don't know how to travel uh, in the future. Well, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But we have another technical issue. Those of you who uh, have tried to download uh, podcasts uh, of ours, as you know, everybody who makes a podcast hosts their own podcasts. I mean, they have to pay for their own service. And, and so I was doing some maintenance on our server. Of course, it's not actually here at my house or it's not I just pay for for space on the server but the bottom line is is that I was complaining because uh, the server wasn't giving me all the t- statistics that I wanted as it had in the past and blah 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 and they said uh time to migrate you to a brand new web server oh you've been on there since the very beginning yeah so it's been a long time it's been a long time and i said oh really i don't want to do that can't you do that and i said no no you have to download your website and then re-upload it to the new server (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not super technical about this stuff so 
I did my FTP and I downloaded my all the files off the web server and then I uploaded them and then we tested it for a while. And there were lengthy phone conversations. Lengthy I phone overheard. conversations with the technical support people. And then I let it go live. And it and, seemed like it was good. Yeah, but then Martha, but it wasn't good. Martha said, I can't download uh, the Last latest month. podcast, number 186. And that's because something happened to it. And then I went through and a bunch of them had gone missing again. So even though a couple of months ago I spent a lot of time uploading and reestablishing the connections with uh, previous podcast episodes, they had vanished again. So I spent a lot of time this month. But one of the good things is is that the new statistical package that comes with this offers me lots of new information, including how many people stream as opposed to how many people download. Now we know who you are. <laughs> no, we don't know who you are. <laughs> we know your IP address, but we, that's about it. But anyway, if you've had some trouble with our website and or with our podcast downloads in the recent past... That's why. Well, I guess it would be nice if you'd let us know what the status of things is. And and so that I can fix the problems that, or I can try to fix. And I, I do apologize for this, but there are some episodes which are just gone. Gone. I have no idea what happened to them. I thought they would back up and make sure the, the server was secure, but something has happened to them. I don't know. And to They're me, up. I don't see a pattern to it. No. And they tend to be longer ago, well, but the first ones yeah. you've been and able I, to find. So. Yeah, I don't know. There are just some that are missing. So We're sorry. Uh, keep us posted and let us know how, your, how the podcast downloads are going. It should be much faster now because we have a new server, Ooh. which is uh, always better, I guess. Yes. And Hopefully you, this and you are better migration has is over by now. As a podcast maker, yes, I am. I'm very well informed. So our virtual life. How much longer do we have to put up with this virtual life? Well, Sounds like quite a while. So, you know, you make adjustments, and I'm sure that you have made adjustments, too. I had the opportunity recently to attend a virtual conference. Adobe regularly has what they call the Max Conference, where they introduce all their new products and give you training. And the Max Conference has been uh, in San Francisco, and it usually is, uh, you know, several days long, and people come out there, and they have keynotes and sessions and the whole sorts of uh, things that you'd have at a typical conference, but this time they decided to have the whole thing online so that I could go. And it was free. Adobe's Max Conference was great. I thought it had lots of sessions, uh, lots of learning to do, introdu introduction of new products, including Photoshop and... We know what that means. <laughs> more fun for the RV navigators. That is an interesting thing. It took... I, I spent about... Um, Two days. Uh, two, two days attending the conference uh, virtually, and it, it the delivery was good, uh, you know, watching through conferencing, and I thought viable, especially for somebody like me who probably wouldn't go out there. And it sounded like it was also nice in that when you physically attend a conference, sometimes two things you want to see are both at the same time. Yes. And they were housed at least yes. for a while yes. for you to retrieve later, so you could see and spend the time on whatever you wanted to do. And when your wife got bored and wanted some company, you yes. could stop and um, have dinner. And have dinner, yeah. Number two. I also attended a conference um, oh. hosted by the Washington Post, which is having panel discussions weekly. The one I went to was um, the interview of the man who runs CVS drugstores, who was talking about what they are doing to prepare for COVID, um, both in terms of testing and in terms of therapeutics and vaccines that they hope are coming down the road. Um, it was nice to kind of hear it from 
from the horse's mouth from somebody who is actually doing these things rather than from politicians who are forever hopeful and you are kind of wondering, is this really true what they are telling me? And I feel like I learned a lot and felt more hopeful and optimistic as a result, which is something you always need during COVID times. Our lives are changing and we are adapting. A few years ago, we were going to attend a London theater uh, what would you call it? A, a week in London learning about and attending backstage, backstage London yeah. theater stuff. Well, and also in attending performances and stuff, something we really enjoy doing. And we found that uh, as at the date neared that they actually canceled it, even though we'd made our reservations and had, had flight. our flights and all that sort of stuff. So we were interested to see that they company is offering the London Theatre Virtual Experience, which they're kind of, they're doing the same sort of tours. That they promised that us. That they promised us, but they're doing them virtually, and obviously for a lot less money. So we're thinking about doing that in December. It is at a specific time and you have to watch. You it's, have to really it, attend. But we're thinking about doing that, so that'll be an interesting way of traveling without really traveling. Hmm. I don't know if that's possible. And of course the RV Navigator has been doing Zoom with lots of clubs. Well, we live in a um, geezer community, as we've told you, and so there are many clubs and organizations here. Most of them we are not very involved in because we are gone so much, but being at home and being unable to actually attend things, uh, they've gone to Zoom. Uh, some of them, like the dance club, you obviously can't <laughs> Zoom, but things like book club, I've been able to participate in regularly, which is monthly, and because it doesn't look like things will change, even when we leave home and go back to Florida, I'm happy to say that I will so be able cool. to continue attending yeah. them. And it's been a very viable alternative as opposed to being there in person. So lots of people have done Zoom. My understanding is the maximum number of Zoomers is uh, 500. Oh. But, well, but you see on TV yeah. that they do have that yeah. many people yeah. on, on yeah. Zoom calls. So our lives are changing and we are gradually adapting to this new normal. And I expect that you are too. So what are you doing that's different and that's replacing the in-person experiences that you used to have. It'd be interesting to hear what uh, what folks have to say. So one of our questions that we ask when you are joining the RV Navigator Facebook page, which we're glad to have everybody join, but you have to answer the three questions. Or you don't get to be a member. Exactly. It's a very exclusive club. Well, we're trying to screen out Russian robots. <laughs> and one of the questions... <laughs> If it's in Russian, we don't even answer no, it. No, there was somebody from Russia who tried but to But they join. didn't answer in Russian. No, but some of their stuff was in Cyrillic, in their own it alphabet. Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very oh, clearly a Russian one. person. Well, how do we answer those questions? I just deleted him. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, we're a tough Facebook page to join. It's a highly but one, but one of the three questions is, what is your favorite RVing destination? That's a hard question. And uh, I really wish we could go back and look at everybody's answers because... It would be fun to see, and that's going to be one of our topics here that we're going to that we're going to do is, sh is share with you our five most interesting RV destinations. Before we start, I just want to add that I've been given absolutely no selection criteria, and except that it has to be somewhere we could go. You're fifty percent of this own, RV Navigator podcast. Our <laughs> own motorhome. So I have very fond memories of camping and RVing in New Zealand and South Africa, but they cannot be on my list. Oh. I added that as a special addition to oh, my... Oh, you cheater. <laughs> no. You changed the rules on me. I didn't change... The, oh, 
there were no rules. Yeah, well, you're maybe. half of the you're half of the game maybe here. That's a problem. <laughs> so we have not shared this list with each other. No. And we're going to start with number five. Oh. Well, we'll get to the top. Okay. Of the list. Work our way up. So, as I said, I wish we had, uh, maybe we'll put a survey up on the RV name. Yeah, let's do that. Let's put a survey up and ask people to, again, again. put in their mm-hmm. their favorite, uh, maybe after they've listened to the podcast here, and hear what our top five are. We, You could tell us what yours are. So, number five. Let me start by oh. saying that, as I thought, thought of this, I used the approach that we have been using since we've gotten a motorhome. Uh, when we're in our motorhome, we go to an area, we park it, and then we cruise around in a car so most of my choices are not a specific place in and of itself but an area we're not talking about the campground that is the most scenic right because we've stayed in some really scenic places and we don't remember their names exactly (laughs) (laughs) because we're old people Yeah, we've stayed on coasts, we've stayed in mountains, and we've stayed in a lot of scenic places, but they didn't have the broad scale of things to do. I'm kind of looking, my criteria was that there were lots of things to do in the area once we camped. Yeah, I think I thought that too. But we stayed in one campsite and we toured around pretty much. Okay, Martha's number five. My number five is the Oregon coast. I loved it for its scenery. I loved it for its temperate uh, climate. I loved it because there were a lot of things to do. Uh, I remember very fondly a, a kind of exciting riverboat tour on the Rogue River. Yes. And then I also remember very fine, fondly going to the Tillamook Dairy and eating ice cream. Yep. Uh, so it had a nice variety. Uh, the Oregon coast is my number four. Oh. So we are close there. And I remember for many of the same reasons... Just the scenic driving around there. I love to just kind of drive around and find scenic spots going along the coast and with the, all of the wood that was uh, the driftwood that was up on the beach. Walking the beach there was fabulous. Um, the the rocks on the shoreline, you know, photographically it was a fabulous location. And the mist and, and the water and the birds. And I also remember very good infrastructure from the tourist bureaus that we would stop yes. at because they would give you maps uh, of where to stop and what to see so that you knew when to pull off the road. But again, I would say that in doing the Oregon coast, you don't want to do it in your RV unless you're a, right. a B. You don't want to drive um, Highway 1. Because it's... But that was what was nice, yeah. because paralleling the coastal highway is a four-lane superhighway. And so we camped along on the superhighway and then drove to the coast. With our car. With our car, pretty much. Well, we did camp. Well, we did drive into some cities and, and actually camp there. But that's, that is about a two-week trip. Now, we didn't say the Washington coast and we didn't say the California coast, although they're the nice. California is, is very nice, too. But I think the Oregon coast is Except the best. Except I'm afraid a lot of it has burned down now. I okay. don't know. My number five yes. is New Orleans. Oh, I was thinking about that, too. Yeah. You didn't put that anyplace no, on your list? No, Ooh. We but had was, a great time in New Orleans. Yes. And there is a state park that you can stay in within uh, just a few minutes of the downtown area, which is fabulous. And you don't have to go during Mardi Gras, but that is a great time to go. But there's so much eating. There's museums. There's trips on the Mississippi River. There's the bayou, which you can go to. There are the mansions that you can visit. So there's just lots and lots of things to do. 
in the New Orleans area in the, not in the dead of winter, but uh, Most, in the shoulder season. Well, and I wouldn't want to go there in August either. No. It's too hot and humid. Yeah. And the Caribbean culture there uh, is something. Yes, it felt, Creole. It feels like a city unlike any other in yes. the United States. And it's it's truly, really unique. Well, and we did tours of the Ninth Ward and places that the were. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the flooding stuff was quite interesting. So I would definitely put that on your list of places to go. And I have to say, with great apologies to those of you who live in Louisiana, that after Katrina, we had some vague thoughts about, is it really worth yeah. rebuilding this city and spending all this money uh, when it could easily happen again? But we say it's worth it. And I hope, I wish them Godspeed as another hurricane is aimed toward New Orleans as we are talking. I hope you put New Orleans on your list, even though it wasn't in my top five. Okay, so... That's my top, my number five. What's your number four, then? For number four, I put Tucson because I wanted Mm -hmm. um, one metro area. Uh, Most of my thoughts tended to go in the national parks Uh being outside direction. But as you know, we've spent a number of winters in Tucson and have never run out of things to do. Outdoor activities as well as cultural city activities were to be had. It's a place that I would happily revisit any winter if it wasn't quite so far away from us here in the Chicagoland area. Right. We've debated many times where we should kind of winter, and we decided that Florida was better because it's a day closer. It's 1,200 miles versus 1,700 miles, and so that's just logical that we go to Florida, and there's there's not a lot of differences. Well, there, well, there yeah, are a lot no, of differences. Yeah. Tucson is fabulous. Yeah. No question about it. And it's, and for the cultural as well as for the scenic, and, and of course, you wouldn't want to be there in the summer. No. And lots of nice state parks in the area. So there's all sorts of good things to do. And you can go down to Mexico and get the culture from that area as well. I did not have Tucson on my list. Well, you should have. I don't know. You should have had New Orleans. (laughs) Yeah, I thought about it. Well, that's, that's your number four. So what's your number three? My number three is cheating a bit. I put Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yes. Yeah. It's not so easy to get to. With our RV, we had to go there on a ferry. Uh-huh. And and I felt like I was cheating a little bit because we didn't just stay in one place and, yeah. and go around with the car. But uh, we love Canada very much. But this part of Canada, again, has a very unique culture. The people have a wonderful sense of humor. Uh, there's a lot of wildlife there because there aren't that many people there. Eating seafood, mm, lobster fairies, was, was yeah. fabulous and quite affordable. I just have very fond memories of our entire time there. We spent a couple of weeks there, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah at least two weeks, yeah. I think it's just too far away for most people to go to. Well, good taking the ferry and stuff. They can be aspirational. And I think probably... New England would satisfy me pretty much. Oh, but it doesn't have the culture that Newfoundland has. Okay, and I enjoy. No, I, and yeah, I enjoyed Newfoundland. No, and, no and question about it. And, icebergs and go by. The, I mean, that was very well, cool. <laughs> and the the national parks that they have there are fabulous. And the wilderness, it's yeah. just, it's its very wild. But the the driving for an RV, we took our big RV, and there was no problem driving there. So don't hesitate it, to go a, if it's you... It's Alaska-ish. You just don't go very fast. Yeah, okay. So my number three is Moab. Oh, I had that on my list, but it ended up being number six. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're similar, huh? Yep, yep. So Moab, uh, in one place, has so many fascinating things to do. National parks, you can drive to several national parks, and it's just... Uh, 
back road if you do any four-wheeling at all if you like to get out away from things that has lots of uh, blm land places to camp that are boondocking type of, of situations and and it has the the full service campgrounds also and it's just a very interesting place to go Scenically, And if you don't quite make it to Moab, anywhere in southern Utah, I mean, there are five beautiful national parks there that are all worth spending time in. And you have seen the pictures, uh, Antelope Canyon, the bend in the river Colorado, north rim of the Grand Canyon are all within a a range of there. And the slot canyons, the hikes, the four-wheel drive in a Jeep, you can rent a Jeep and take it uh, into the back country, and it's just well worth the visit. Number two. I put Yellowstone. Wait, we, what, did you tell us number three? Yeah, it was Newfoundland. Okay. For number two, I put Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Um, I love all of our national Not parks. I've never gone to a national park I didn't like for one reason or another, but Yellowstone has such varied scenery, so much to do. Uh, so much animal life that's fairly accessible to you. Uh, if nothing else, if you're not good at spotting animals, you drive down the road and you come to a traffic jam and you know that there's yeah, animals ahead yeah. of you. It's very well developed in terms of ra- ranger services and activities that you can do with someone who knows a lot more about the area than you do. I could easily spend a month there. And of course, you have the Tetons just to the south, which are equally as north. Just to the south, which are just okay. which are just as uh, exciting as too. spectacular. And there's a very nice Nice campground there, a full-service campground that you can bring your motorhome or your it has full hookups and that sort of stuff. Yeah, but campgrounds inside the park are for smaller rigs and tents. So, so the really either way, because Yellowstone is huge, and there's no possible way you could even do anything close to and all doing the thermal, it all. The thermal features, right? Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, that's it's a top attraction, uh, but I'm sure very busy in the summer. We've never been there in the summer, so I don't think we well not for a long not time. for a long time. But you need to plan to spend time at two of the entrances, probably from the south on the Tetons and then in the north, west, or east, depending on which one. Lots of campgrounds just outside the park, but you need to plan to spend time in both areas because they're both spectacular and well worth the visit. Jackson Hole is at the south end. And it's not on your list? Not on my list. Oh my gosh. That's number two for me. <laughs> That's why this list is interesting. So what's your... I, and I'm, I have nothing bad to say about it. Of course. It's just to me, it, it's not... It, well, I don't know. I, I was going to say that it's not as broad a spectrum of things to do. Oh. But, when, but when you think about the thermals and, and the you think river, about the, the geysers... And the, and the mammoth hot the, springs the area. Yeah. The Fishing Lake. Well, Yellowstone Falls. Yeah, the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. Well, Within Yellow- Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah. See, you should have had it on your list. Oh, okay. Well, my number two is Coastal Maine. Uh-huh. Well, that's kind of my Newfoundland, I guess. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think so. Because Coastal, well, I think of all the lobster dinners we had and mm-hmm. and all of the nooks and crannies that you can go into. I mean, we would just go out, drive out on a peninsula, and there would be this scenic little town that we could take pictures in and look around. And we took boat tours, lighthouses, nice towns um, along the way, big ones and small ones. And it's just really, uh, we spent at least two or three weeks in the fall just driving up the main coast and... It's fabulous, and but uh, but frankly, I would leave out Bar Harbor and Acadia. Well, that's where the cruise ships stop. I know, or they used. That's to where stop. all the people are. And I would say, you, don't. From what we've heard, don't go to Maine in the summer if you have a choice. But September was perfect. The water yeah. is a tad warmer then. Whoa, the water is <laughs> freezing cold. Yeah, I remember doing some train 
colors there. Really that, yeah, the col- fall my color, gizzard even fall in colors September. Were spectacular. Yeah. So that's a definite uh, must. And I and it's not that I don't like Acadia, but it's just uh, kind of a letdown after all the other areas in Maine. Frankly, and moreover, on tourists yeah, and a lot of touristy shops, and you see the same stuff in a lot of other areas. Yeah. that that it you're kind of by special. yourself, and it's you feel like it's real and authentic. Mm-hmm. Now we're coming to number one. I really cheated on this one. Oh. I put Alaska. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked a lot about Alaska you over the years. Go to one place and drive oh, around no, no, in a right, car when right. you're in Alaska, but. I think when people go to Alaska, they plan on spending some time. I hope so. Because you've got to spend time. And when I put down Alaska, I'm actually including you, you Bam- too. Banff and Jasper and, and all the, the, and... The, the trip all the way up and all the way back. Yes. Now, we spent, as we've mentioned in the past, we've spent from mid-May to mid-September doing the Alaska trip from Chicago. You have to understand that getting to the border crossing in Montana or wherever you cross is only halfway or less than halfway probably to Alaska. From, from to Montana, yeah. But that doesn't mean there isn't spectacular stuff to see All along the, the way. way. So it's well worth the trip. And although there are lots of people who talk about the bad roads and blah, 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 there are great boondocking situations. There are good campgrounds all the way. We didn't make reservations except uh, calling ahead in most situations. Maybe for the holidays you want to do that if you're there for the 4th or Memorial Day. I think we made reservations in Fairbanks because we were there for the solstice. Right, for holiday. Yeah, for for big events. We went all the way to Prudhoe Bay. We went all the way out to the Katmai to see the bears at the Katmai National Park and virtually everywhere in what between. What was that area with the 50-mile road where we had to stay in a motel where we didn't take the RV? Yeah, that was one of the most spectacular places yeah. we've ever been. Yeah. But we can't remember the name of it. <laughs> it's oh, at the end of a dirt awful. road. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. There's a gold mine, but, uh, mine there? Yeah. No, oh. not the gold mine. It was... Uh, so the bottom line is uh, these are great places to visit, and if you're planning your vacation for the upcoming summer, you might want to think about one of these places to go, well, or the fall, because the problem is is that some of these are not good in the winter, in the summer or in the winter. Things so, to add to your list. Yes, and we would love to hear from you if you'd like to let us know your favorite destination locations. And as Martha said, I have a starred number six, and that is... Uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. New Zealand is kind of like compressed to the United States within a small area. So that you could do all of the things that we did, beaching all the way from that to mountain, spectacular mountain stuff, all the way through, and they were only a, drive, a day's drive apart. And you could literally go from an Alaska-like area with yeah. mountains and glaciers, get on a ferry, and be in the tropics where they're growing right. pineapples within two days. It was incredible. Yes, so... If you have a chance to do that, you can rent an RV, lots of great campgrounds, and of course there they call it caravanning, and you will have a great experience if you want to spend there. We spent about five weeks, and, and that was not enough. enough. No, not quite enough at all. So if you are just at home now, uh, suffering from the COVID virus syndromes, uh, then you might want to take a look at some of the at the webcams. There's a nice webcam 
that uh, actually rotates between famous locations. And so you could just put it up on your screen and see what's going on live in various uh, hot, not hot spots, but in various uh, spots in the world. And I have the link, of course, on our RV Navigator webpage for this episode. That's episode number 187. It is interesting and a little eerie to see some of the these places like Times Square with so few people in them. Not bad. And that is something we have definitely watched on the, on the news. And, of course, we have our COVID travel chart. One of our questions right now is, where can we travel and what will they let us in? We have reservations to go uh, travel to Europe uh, in the April. Spring, yeah. In April. We don't know whether we can go. But I found an interesting chart that, that you click on the country that you're going to and it tells you the latest COVID status. It not only tells you the status, but it also tells you the restrictions they have for Americans who can get in and who can't. And because we are limited in where we can go, it's interesting to see who is letting us in. And this is a constantly changing thing. Yes. As hotspots develop and then people get it whipped into shape. And it's very hard to plan traveling right now. There's no doubt about it. So let's talk about technology. Oh, let's. <laughs> uh, I haven't talked about Starlink in quite a while. The Starlink is SpaceX's uh, satellite internet system that they're putting up. And we love them when we're in Titusville because so, you used to have to really plan to see a launch, and they're launching every two every two weeks. Yeah. So anytime someone comes and visits us while we're down there, we can take them to a launch pretty reliably. They are really going great guns. And every time they're putting up 60 satellites, there are over 800 satellites for this internet satellite internet blanket that they're putting up that's going to provide internet service to everywhere, every spot in the world. But right now they're concentrating on the U.S., is that right? Uh, right now they're concentrating on... Or North America? Well, North North America uh-huh. and Southern Canada. So it's not really available for us. But what was just introduced, announced in the last day or two, is that SpaceX has begun to send out invitations to customers interested in beta testing the Starlink satellite internet service. The initial pricing is $499 for the equipment and then $99 a month for seemingly unlimited data. What's the equipment? What are you getting? I don't know. Uh I have not seen it, but Uh it must be some sort of a satellite dish, but I think it's flat. Uh-huh. And then the receiving equipment. So you could put it on RV, maybe? I, they didn't actually have any pictures of it. Uh-huh. Well, stay tuned. Yeah. Target speeds of 50 to 100 megabits a, spe- a second down and latency of 2 to 4 milliseconds. So that's excellent download speeds. 50 to 150 is sufficient to do almost anything you'd like to do uh, internet-wise. And latency of uh, 20 to 40 milliseconds uh, is okay, but it should be in the 10 to, in the single digits is best. But that but it's still your your this is the time it takes your signal to go up to the satellite and come back. Will this she be something perplexed. that will be usable by sailors and cruise ships um or, or? Will they be able to pass you from satellite to satellite well, this like is, a cell tower? Oh, you're asking tough questions. Sorry. I'm just trying to imagine. Do you want the answer? If it's in 25 words or less, sure. No. <laughs> All right, I'm starting to count. One. <laughs> the issue is that they have to have Earth stations stationed close by. So, no. 
So the answer is even more complex than that. So for most of the Earth to the terrestrial versions of this, they will have uh, every couple hundred miles, they will have an Earth station, which talks to the same satellites that you are talking to and is able to upload and download, and you will be passed from from satellite to satellite. Like cell towers. That's yeah, like so, yeah right, exactly. Now, could you put one on an ice flow in the Arctic? <laughs> As long as it's stationary. It's not stationary. <laughs> so one of the things that's happened very recently in the latest edition of the satellites is that they have now, this is really hard to believe, a laser link between satellites in the heavens. So to get around this problem of having so many Earth stations, and I mean, we're talking about hundreds of Earth stations. I know the astronomers are not happy because it's getting in the way of their view of the sky. Well, that's a different situation. Well, so what they're doing is they're they, have, up the they have up there. laser links that they just are testing out that communicate between the satellites in the sky, and they then fill in the gap that would ordinarily be wow. covered by an Earth station. Wow. So an Earth station... This is functioning now? Or a plan. It was it, this capability was incorporated into the most recent edition of the satellites mm-hmm. that they're launching. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it has actually been put into mm-hmm. effect yet. But this allows the satellites to communicate among themselves mm-hmm. and therefore transmit data among themselves, so that they can have coverage over areas which it would be impossible to put in Earth stations. Could they fill in if a satellite got hit by an asteroid? That's going to. They have spare satellites. And there's all that space junk that, that's, up there. That's a whole different situation. They have spare satellites that they can move into orbit. I assume, mm-hmm. but that's not a situation mm-hmm. right now. So, so are you tempted? Well, no, no, you haven't heard the whole story yet. Okay. So I'm still reading here. This is a beta, so there will be brief periods of no connectivity at all, so you can't rely on it for anything. The Starlink user terminal package, as I mentioned, it will cost $499, and you can order additional hardware for mounting it onto a residential roof. Uh, the terminal, let's see, uh, they also mentioned that this is probably not mobile. Oh, not only can't you use it while you're moving, for the time being, it's tied into a physical address. You so have to have a house. we could use it in Illinois and then go to Florida and use it there. That's correct. Okay. That's my understanding. That, and I don't know whether that's a, a an actual limitation of the system or whether it's one that they have imposed on it with software. Or while they're beta testing. While they're beta testing, yeah. So you don't really have uh, an option to get into beta testing. They will invite you, but... It is coming along, and, and it's not going to be cheap. No, but, no. Well, it's expensive. Well, ninety nine dollars a month if you could get rid of your cell right? It's expensive <laughs> to do what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty much of a bargain, really. So I also have uh, bought a new iPhone. What a I, surprise! iPhone twelve. The day they came out, where were we? At the Apple Store. And how long do we spend? Five hours. Oh, jeez. Did we have to go back? Yes. How long do we spend? Two or three more hours. <laughs> so on Friday, I went to the Apple Store uh, to get my new iPhone, which I ordered a week before, and my iPhone Pro, but... Um, took a little bit longer to get it than I expected, but uh, eventually we got it to work, or they got it to work. And why did I upgrade? God only knows. 
because of computational photography. Because I, you always have to be the first on your block. No, that's why. But one of the things I'm planning to do is to use my iPhone much more for photography. In the Apple uh, session that they had uh, where they introduced the iPhone, they, did, they didn't mention calling hardly at all. No, it's it was not all what about, phones are for anymore. <laughs> Talking to people? No. You would yeah, never use it for that. So... My intention is to start using my phone for all sorts of things. Not only does it have a super wide-angle lens, which I really enjoy using, but it has this computational photography, which makes nighttime pictures much better, uh, low-light situations much better. It makes the HDRs it automatically does without having to uh, actually stitch them yourself. So it's got a lot of powerful features, plus... It's in my pocket. Yeah, very convenient. And they have come a long way in terms of taking photography and combining it with computers. And the chip that's in this new phone is just spectacular and fast so that these things happen very quickly. And, of course, it is also a videographer's dream, too, because it has lots and lots of capabilities there. So when are you getting yours? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have a problem with my iPhone because when I put it in my pocket, there's no room for it because my pocket is full of me. And so I am thinking that I am attracted to the new iPhone that they put out that is a smaller version again. But being an old person with bad eyesight, I want to see how that affects using the phone and but seeing the, big the icons. Ha- the big one has, so, has three cameras and a LiDAR detector. Well, it doesn't do any good if I can't put it in my pocket. And as the girl in the Apple store said to you, women's pockets are much smaller than men's pockets. No, so, they're not. So that's a problem. There's more stuff in there. So I am intending to go to uh, Verizon when we get to Florida because they're not out yet as we are speaking to you and hold the new small one in my hand and compare it to the one I already own, which is only one year old, and make a decision. But I could record the podcast on my iPhone. Good luck to you. <laughs> Good luck to us. <laughs> You're part of this process, too, my dear. Jeez. Uh, to go right along with this, uh, as I mentioned, I went to Adobe Max conference, and they introduced a new version, the, the 2021 version of Photoshop. I also am a subscriber to that. And the cool thing that they had in there was smart filters. And these are use what they call the neural engine, which means uh, computational photography. And so all of this uh, heavy-duty computation that would be uh, advantageous for your pictures is being incorporated into desktop software also, which is cool. So what does the neural engine allow you to, the neural filters allow you to do in your pictures? Well, the demo that I got in my basement (laughs) had me starting with a picture of how I actually look and turning into a picture about how I looked 35 years ago. Oh, no, it started the other way. Yeah, you started with how I look now. And you and you put me back to thirty five years ago. No, I put you forward. I gave you gray hair and oh, no you hair. You could go both ways. Yeah. It has a, it has an aging feature which allows you to Why age would people. Why you want and, and, that? Well, it was very cool. Adds lots of wrinkles and and then of course they have the one that takes you back. That's cool. And they had one that they have another filter which allows you to change somebody's expression so and they where they're look looking with their eyes where they're looking with their eyes it was incredible well you're not going to be able to trust pictures at all no so in addition to having lots of selection features that uh, allow you to extract somebody from their background and and not lose any of the stuff in the hair uh, as well as replacing sky and just all sorts of very cool features that require tons of computational capabilities the new photoshop is uh, really something to see 
So I would suggest if you have a few bucks that you get a subscription to Photoshop, which is only available through through subscription. That's a bummer. Yeah. That's a bummer. We also have been using uh, something that I found uh, recently, um, and that is magnetic power adapters. Do you like yours? Um, I do, now that I've figured out what I'm going to use where. I I kind of obsessively charge things um, in between using them, and it's it's obvious to me that I could eventually wear out the little hole where I put the charger in and out. And this way, you just put the cord uh, on a magnet, and it gloms onto the little doodad that you leave in that hole, and it charges it. These are available from Amazon, and they're becoming quite popular, I think. And so that for any type of connector that you have, there is a magnetic connector. And basically what it is is you put one piece into the charger to the port on your device, whether it's a, a phone, a tablet, or a desktop. It then connects to that connector magnetically, which has a couple of advantages. I always really liked the MagSafe uh connectors that Apple used because they were held onto the computer with a magnet so that if the computer fell or if a pet came along and hit the cord or you got up and the cord was still attached it would just break away and not cause any damage. It's very quick and easy to do even if you've had rotator cuff surgery and have only one functioning hand you just hold it near the spot where it should attach and the magnet makes it make the connection. And in Martha's case where there is only one port or if you have a tablet that has only one port if that port goes bad, you're big doo doo. Right. So this, as she says, keeps you from having to uh, keep plugging things in and out of that port because you know that it's going to get damaged eventually, and it it it, it will break away should you just pull the cable. It, it won't. Uh, damage the port. So these are really nice to have. And we bought one that has uh, four or five connectors for the end so that you can put in a USB-C or you can put in the Apple one or you can put in a, a mini USB or a USB-A so that no matter what you are trying to adapt your cable to, it will have uh, the port that you want. And they're, uh, the ones we got are held in a little plastic attachment to the cable and like a, a dock like yeah, that's like, part of the cable so uh you might want to take a look at these as an option obviously they do cost a few bucks but they're actually quite inexpensive and could save you the future meltdown a future meltdown right there you go jayco launches wingmate an app for rv owners of any brand oh that's interesting so a new app Thor Industries announced on introduced this Jayco Wingman app, a user-friendly app for any novice to ex- expert RVer, available for downloading in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Jayco Wingman app designed for anyone camping in an RV and not only for Jayco owners, featuring videos, quick start guides, maintenance checklists, and videos on how-to tutorials, trip and packing checklists, Boy, this have done a lot of campsite considerations and owner's manuals uh, and a glossary of RV terms. So that sounds like something that for yeah, free. That especially might, for newbies. And, of course, there are lots of newbies around because... People are buying bubbles who never thought about having a bubble before, so they can go somewhere. They, the headline here is, 
July wholesale RV shipment numbers the highest in 40 years. Posting the highest July shipments in four decades, the RV Industry Association a monthly survey of manufacturers found that total RV shipments that ended the month were at 43,000 units, which is 53% higher than the number that was shipped in July of 2019. So the RV industry is going gangbusters, and I think a lot of people know that already. One question that arises, of course, is if they are working very fast, are they working as well? as they have in the past. People have always complained about things that you would put on a punch list if you were buying a house that are not working quite properly. And I have to wonder, as they are whipping these things out as fast as they can, hiring people who are less experienced, whether they will be good units when you buy them. Yeah, exactly. Sales of travel trailers dominated. Most were cheap. By cheap, we mean stapled together and glued together, as Martha just mentioned. Lightweight models that can be pulled by SUVs or family cars. Many if not most of the sales were in the under $20,000 and cheaper models. In the industry, these are referred to as stick and tin models. Rodney Dangerfield said, and they don't get no respect, at least for quality construction. They do get respect for how easily they sell and dealers get to push highly profitable extended warranties or long-term financing for the owners. One thing we've talked about many times is that when you buy an RV, it starts depreciating immediately (laughs) and we were kind of pleased to read that with the huge demand for RVs that ours might actually have come up in value a bit which is a nice thought. Not appreciate but it just didn't depreciate as much. much. And the other thought I had was that in two years when many of these people find that they don't like want or need their RVs anymore or are going back to staying in hotels like we did in the good old days uh, that'll really flood the market. So if you're a person who's contemplating the RV lifestyle in the next few years, you might wait for that little bubble day. Going to to full-timing or something? Yeah. We were very surprised when we read the article about the Myrtle Beach RV show. Which was canceled because they had no equipment to demonstrate. Dealers actually canceled the show because they had no equipment to sell. I've never, ever heard of an RV show being canceled because of that. Bad weather, too high prices, but lack of... product to sell wow so that is indicative of what's going on in the rv market i guess so flat towing are you a flat tower yes and what do you do very little <laughs> you do mo- you do most of it i get in the car and disconnect the engine so flat towing means you're towing your vehicle behind your motorhome with all the wheels on the ground and one thing that is surprising is that you get a fair amount of tire wear um, even though we thought yeah. if the tires weren't doing anything that they would last longer. But I don't know that that's true. So on our website, I have a nice article about flat towing. There seems to be a lot of controversy about this. Make sure that your car is towable. towable. But then you have to buy a base plate. You can't just hook it up directly. It has to have a base plate, which is connected to the frame. And then you have to have a tow bar. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Which is connected up to your RV and connects up to the base plate. And beyond that, you have to have wiring system because you have to be able to turn on the lights on the taillights on the car. So there has to be some sort of wiring for that. And you also will need a braking system if your car is over 2,000 pounds, which is obviously almost everybody. So... All total, a lot of people have had questions about this. All total, it's going to run you three to four thousand dollars to set up any car in order to to flat tow it. 
And if you trade that car in, much of the equipment stays on it, which is kind of a bummer as well. So you want to select well before you start attaching all this stuff to your car to be towed. Yes. And we have been surprised when we've gone in shopping for cars we want to tow that many of the dealers don't seem to know a whole lot about it. It behooves you to do your own research and really know that the kind of car you're buying is towable. And know where you're going to take it to have it fixed up to be towed. It's very tempting just to keep the car you already own and buy a trailer, but as we've said to you before, um, it causes a lot of problems putting it onto the dolly, taking it off of the dolly, what to do with the dolly after you get to the campground and there's nowhere to park it near where you are. It's a real hassle. Yep. So if you are a new RVer and you're listening to the RV Navigator for the very first time, welcome to the RV Navigator podcast. (laughs) Where did that come from? Well, it comes from the next little item that we're going to talk about, and that is the ABCs of RVing, a brand new book. This book is for RV beginners, those just getting started who don't even know the right questions to ask about buying or using an RV. Is it a book book or an an e-book? It's a book book. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's in these COVID times, who buys books? Everybody. It's a quick read and will get newbies up to speed on choosing the right RV for them, buying them at the best price, and then using it. It provides important information that will keep them out of trouble, both in buying the process and then going on their trips. So the book is called The ABCs of RVing. And if you are new, it's by Chuck Woodbury, who does a, a uh-huh. weekly column. A famous name in RVing. Right. Uh, it's available on Amazon, but there is also a link on the RV Navigator podcast for episode number 187. So take a look there if you're interested in seeing this book uh, and maybe even getting a little preview. We also have a link there for a very interesting report that was uh, on the PBS nightly news it's an eight minute report on what rvers are doing in terms of making money while they're on the road lots of work camping information and it was just an interesting uh, read for you to see uh and that's that was at pbs did i do right in winterizing i'm this afraid month you I... did i spent the last two days watching the snowfall because luckily, it was 28 degrees last luckily, night luckily the ground is warm and it melted right away but what a depressing sight that was yeah, so I, last month I did have to, uh, as I probably mentioned, uh, I had to winterize putting the pink stuff into our RV. I don't blow out the air because I want the pink stuff to go all the way to the ice maker and to the uh, washer dryer. And if you have a dishwasher, you want to make sure that it gets in there. Blowing those out is almost impossible. So for simple RVs, these new ones that are coming off the line cheap, you probably can get by with blowing them out. But if you have a more complex RV water system, then you need to have antifreeze. So I put the pink stuff in. It took me about uh, four gallons to put it in. And it, it doesn't take you but an hour or so. But I also want to mention that you have to winterize your your electrical system and how do you winterize your electrical system well you have to understand that batteries don't freeze unless they are discharged so we have a solar system on our rv which keeps the batteries charged so i'm not really worried about them getting cold and freezing but if you are not in that situation then you probably should remove your batteries and even if you don't remove your batteries you need to make sure that they are filled with water uh, so that the at the beginning of the season, uh, so that they are as fresh as they can be 
and will withstand the cold. So do you need to visit your batteries periodically? With a depends on how much you care about your batteries. A gallon of water in your hand? My recommendation, frankly, is to remove your batteries. Take them in the house. Now, with us with eight batteries, that just ain't going to happen. Oh. <laughs> but if you have one or two batteries... Uh, you remo- used to bring it in the house. Yeah, I remember bring it in the that. house and leave it there for the winter because you're not going to need it otherwise, and you don't want to take a chance. You know, you're talking about 100 bucks a battery, so why not uh, take good care of them and make sure that they are trickle-charged and uh, fully ready for your operation because inevitably there's going to be some parasitic load which is going to deplete the battery over the winter and then it's going to freeze and then you're going to have to buy a new one anyway. So don't forget your batteries as you're doing your winterizing. Hopefully you're someplace warm that you don't have to winterize. That'd be nice. We have a friend who said, I've never winterized my motorhome. And I'm not going to. And I'm not going (laughs) to. And he was being very sympathetic to me. Yes, right. Well, I should have talked about this with the the RV show, but... uh, because the RV shows are being canceled right and left, uh, one, we, of course, we mentioned the Myrtle Beach that was canceled because there are no actual RVs to sell. Others are being canceled because of COVID. But it's surprising that the Tampa RV show is still on. Yeah. So if you're looking to well, look at RVs, come on down to Tampa in January. Florida plays more fast and loose with the regulations. And at least when you go to the RV show, the RVs are outside in the fresh air, which is safer than being inside a amphitheater or something. That doesn't have an air exchange. But you might like to, at the same time, go to a virtual RV show. (laughs) Why not? Everything else is virtual. Why not? The RV 2021 Model Year Guide is geared towards RV customers hungry for new model year information that they would normally find by attending an RV show. This is an RV, virtual RV show that you can download and take a look at. So I have the link on my website. With the online format of the handy 2021 Model Year Guide, there is always an RV show near you. This handy flipbook format works well on computer, tablet, or phone. The mobility of this extensive guide is particularly useful when you start shopping for an RV because you can easily reference the vast amount of information as you try to find the RV that is perfect for you and your family. So if you're shopping, this is a place to start and it looks like a a not a manufacturer specific puff piece, yeah. Puff piece, yeah so. And then we're wondering how Florida is going to be this winter without our friends from Canada. Not only can we not they, go there, they can't come here. Right. The border has been closed again or extended, I guess. Uh, so snowboarders, uh, it's not going to be open until December if it's open at all. So yeah. we're wondering how this is going to impact. If you're looking to go to Florida, this might be the year because I think there's going to be a lot of cancellations space, yeah. as a result of uh, the Canadians not being able to come. I don't know what the situation is. It changes regularly. But we have an article here about it. And... Last but not least, we have a campground in Cape Cod that will rent you an Airstream trailer, $409 a night for a one-night stay. Wow. That's the July and August rate. It's a lot less if you want to stay in other seasons. That's Auto, prime season in yeah, Cape Cod. Auto yeah. Camp, which has locations in Yosemite and Sonoma Valley, California, will open in Falmouth, Massachusetts, a 14-acre site featuring 108 Airstream trailers, luxury tents, and tiny homes. They will also have fire pits and a two-story clubhouse. Wow. $400 and $9 a night. I would rather stay in my RV. And then you still need to take it somewhere and pay for that. No, no, no. Oh. No, it's permanently. It's just there. It's just there. You rent the whole thing. On Cape Cod. Uh-huh. And then, of course, we you would want to miss the picture at the end oh. of the website. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 
It's very critical it's that when you... a picture of a man who was backing up his trailer and did not pay attention to the frantic waving of his wife who was in the back trying to advise him when to stop. And now there's a huge crease from a tree going through the back of their RV. <laughs> if you'd like to see this picture, come to the website. It will be there. If you aren't depressed enough already by COVID... So next month, as I mentioned, it's only 28 degrees here. So next month we will be in the warm. At least that's the plan. That's the plan. We'll be headed to Florida. Uh, we're going to do something we haven't done before. Well, many things, I guess. One is leaving this early. We've never left in November. Yeah. And we are going to take about a week or so to get down to Florida. Depends. Because, because depends on the weather. Depends. depends on the effects of Zeta as it moves through the oh, southeast. Yeah, storm Zeta. Um, the last. This is the last named storm. It can't have any more because we don't, don't no, have any Zeta more names. Zeta is not the end of the Greek alphabet. Oh, really? Yeah. Z is not the end? Z, no. What's the end? I don't know. But I... <laughs> Didn't you watch the Today Show when Hoda Kopke rattled off the Greek alphabet because she's such an enthusiastic sorority girl? No, I she didn't. She knew them all. Okay. So we will be looking forward to you seeing you in a campground near us on the way to Florida. We will be stopping in uh, such exciting places as Benton, Illinois, and probably Chattanooga and Atlanta and all those places uh, on the way south. And then we will be in Titusville. So uh, We're not going to hurry. The days are already getting true. so short, and we don't like to drive in the dark, and why so if we only go 200 miles a day that's fine we'll get there eventually so listen to the quality of the sound on this podcast but don't be too critical but i mean <laughs> i'm going to switch i hopefully will be able to switch back and forth between the two recording recordings systems. i don't know exactly how that's going to work at the moment but i'm recording it on both devices so that we definitely will have a copy of this exciting RV Navigator podcast and so that we can share it with the world and hopefully our web server will be working and you'll be able to get this podcast and as well as many others yes as well and we'll see you next month in December of 2020 bye now try to have a happy Thanksgiving Thanksgiving